Right, finally live after a couple of technical hiccups. Publis, how are you doing, sir? It's always uh, great to meet new founders that are in the space. We've been following you guys for for a long time now, but uh, one of the first time we've chatted. So it's great to have you on. How, how are you doing? Doing quite well. Thank you very much for having us. Excited to to chat today. Yeah, very welcome. Very welcome. Um, so what we'll do, I suppose, is for people who haven't heard of you guys, one, where have you been? <laughs> but uh, what I'd like to do is just try and get into as, as much or as little detail as, as physically possible on, let's start off with your kind of origin story and how how you kind of found your way into the space and was there any kind of traditional path if there is even is a traditional path into this space that kind of led you to where you are now? Sure. So we, Publius, uh, are, there's technically three of us, but we operate as effectively a collective. Uh, the three of us met at the University of Chicago uh, back in college, and we're off doing our own independent things out in the world, and serendipitously ended up all deciding to work on uh, what we thought would be a side project at the time. Uh, ESD, Empty Set Dollar, uh, had been blowing up. And uh, for a variety of different reasons, which uh, we're happy to talk about, we thought that the thing that ESD was trying to solve of creating a non-collateralized stablecoin was a very compelling problem to be solving and thought that ESD was really neat, but at the same time recognized that there were some very obvious problems with their model or its model and decided to sort of work on a, an improvement. And that ultimately became Beanstalk, uh, which we Publius are the creators or founders of. And Beanstalk uh, at this point is much larger than us. Uh, there's probably 50 people or so working in or on or around Beanstalk and, and its ecosystem. But the the hope of Beanstalk is to be the basis for the decentralized economy. And there's a lot of different pieces of the puzzle that are ultimately going to be necessary in order to facilitate the transition uh, of real economic activity onto trustless primitives, uh, Beanstalk is just one of those pieces and it is the issuer of, of the money piece of the puzzle, if you will. But at this point, uh, our work and the work happening in the Beanstalk ecosystem extends far beyond just the the money side of it, which again is what Beanstalk is, is really handling or trying to handle and extends to uh, a DEX, a borrowing and lending protocol, uh, betting protocol. There's a variety of different stuff happening that hopefully will ultimately facilitate a a decentralized trustless economy. And that's that's what we're doing here. So happy to talk more about uh, how we got into the space, what we're currently doing, but we'll we'll defer to you on where to take us, sir. Yeah, great answer, great answer. So with you guys, um, or maybe maybe even just yourself, have you always been kind of that entrepreneurial minded or always thought that if you're going to do something it's kind of go big or go home is, is that something that's kind of resonates with you it's a very interesting question uh would definitely describe myself as an entrepreneur 
had another business that I started at co- in college and dropped out of college to work on at one point and I'm very interested in creating things. Uh, in terms of go big or go home, uh, I think that's probably also a fair characterization of our our mindset on this, which is to say that these are very big problems that we are attempting to participate in the solution of. And given that trustlessness is a least common denominator problem, where if you have the requirement to trust someone or something at any point in the process, it really takes away from the 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 utility that would be created or the, the trustlessness is entirely removed if there's any point of trust in the cycle. Uh, to some extent, you have to have the mindset of go big or go home because either this is all going to work or none of it's going to work. And mm. some of this stuff may not work, but the concept is it's, it is a an all or nothing type of uh, environment that we currently exist in, even if particular implementations or particular instances are not the thing, uh, at the end of the day, there is going to be, God willing, a thing, and that thing is very big. And so, uh, yeah, the go big or go home mindset probably uh, is a fair way to characterize what's going on here at the moment. Yeah, completely agree. Completely resonate with that. Um, so did you guys come to try and tackle this problem? And it might be the weighting of this might be different between people who are involved, but from kind of your perspective is, was this heavily weighted in a philosophical argument? Was it more economical or was it, there's a real big problem here and I really want to be one of these guys that goes to attack it. Is there like equal weighting across those three kind of categories? So while, while there's certainly a philosophical bent to this, uh, in the sense that we are big believers in a censorship-resistant economy and the potential effects that it can have on society, the reason that we ultimately started working on Beanstalk first, started working on the money first, is primarily an economic reason, which is to say that it, it seemed to us uh, and this is directly related to our, our interpretation of ESD at the time where it was blowing up, it seemed to us that the current options for money to be used on a trustless tech stack was uh, or were the biggest holdup to the adoption of trustless technology by businesses. And at this point would probably... Uh, feel comfortable saying definitively that that was wrong, that there's actually a ton of different problems uh, preventing businesses from adopting a trustless tech stack to perform their economic activity. But the the concept that the money, the, the trustless money still isn't good enough for real economic activity, that that is true. The thing that was wrong was that that was the only thing missing. Uh, but in, in theory, the, the economics are such that if you're a business and the the majority of the modern economy runs on debt, runs on borrowed money, mm-hmm. uh, the basic question that needs to be able to be answered in the affirmative is if you're a business that wants to build 
on a trustless tech stack, uh, can you actually borrow money in a way that is competitive to uh, current borrow borrowing options where there is trust involved? And so if you think about how a business might consider what are the different options available to it, currently you have access to really cheap and stable money in the form of US dollars. And if you think about what the, the US dollar is in the grand scheme of things, it is a low volatility currency and the interest rates on that currency are highly subsidized in that they are uh, artificially low. And in short, the way that the interest rates are able to be maintained artificially low is through the ability to print money. And so it is, it is in practice, the low volatility of the value of the currency and the low interest rates on the currency that make dollars really the, the heart of the current economy. Mm -hmm. And if you compare that low volatility and low borrowing costs with the options for businesses that want to build on a trustless tech stack and borrow funds on chain and operate their business entirely trustlessly, the options available to them are lacking at best. So in short, the, the first axis that, we, axis that we highlighted is volatility. There are currencies like Bitcoin and Ether that are uh, hard money, if you will, where the supplies are relatively restricted and the dynamics of the currency are such that it accepts volatility in the interest of long-term value accrual. And when, when you're a business, it's very difficult to borrow money and denominate that uh, loan in an asset that is highly volatile. Because even if you use the funds properly, uh, everything goes according to plan, but the value of the currency that you denominated the debt in has fluctuated dramatically. It's still very possible that even though you did all the work and planned everything appropriately, uh, because of the volatility of the currency, you're unable to pay back the loan and you go bankrupt. And so businesses are really looking for low volatility assets to denominate their loans in. And if you look at the current implementation of low volatility assets on chain, uh, and in particular, if you looked at it uh, at the time ESD was blowing up, the, the real options available were effectively centralized collateralized stable coins. You had some decentralized collateralized stable coins uh, but you really didn't have any sort of decentralized non-collateralized stable coins. And if we go with the, if we start with the first one, uh, centralized collateralized stable coins like USDC or USDT, uh, before we even talk about interest rates uh, or borrowing costs, the basic problem with using a centralized, a stable coin issued by a centralized entity is that trustlessness is a least common denominator problem. And so if you have to use money 
that is issued by a single party that you have to trust and can censor you, at the end of the day, that's going to remove all of the utility associated with using a trustless tech stack. And so then there are some, uh, let's call it decentralized or trustless collateralized stable coins, uh, LUSD or liquidity are, is probably the best instance of it. Uh, but in practice, the fact that there is a collateral requirement to issue the stable coin uh, means two things. One, it means that there's some implicit limit on the supply of the stable coin uh, defined by the amount of available collateral uh, to be locked up to issue the stable coins. And even if you're able to achieve relatively low volatility, which was the first axis we highlighted, the collateral requirements ultimately create non-competitive borrowing costs. So even if you have a relatively similar volatility asset on chain that is decentralized, unless the borrowing costs on that asset can be competitive in terms of costs uh, with centralized alternatives like the US dollar, uh, it's going to be impossible for businesses to compete if their borrowing costs are much higher. And if you think about the nature of collateral, uh, it's incredibly capital inefficient, whereby in order to issue more of the the asset, it, as demand for the asset increases, uh, there's a need for more collateral to be locked up in order to create supply. And locking up collateral is very expensive. And in particular, if you are an owner of that collateral and you're thinking about locking up that collateral to mint a stable coin to lend it out, in short, there's an opportunity cost that must be considered in terms of what are all the other things that you can do with that collateral instead of minting a stable coin against it and lending it out. And so in practice, even though you have some collateralized stable coins that are competitively volatile with the dollar, they are structurally unable to compete in terms of borrowing costs because of the collateral requirement. And so to get back to economically where where the problem was that we viewed uh, needing solving uh, was the concept of figuring out how to create a, a low volatility asset that is, is trustless in nature and decentralized in nature where there is no opportunity cost associated with locking up collateral to mint more of the currency. And so the, the concept is that uh, and this is something that ESD was really an attempt at, was a stable coin that can grow infinitely with demand. So as demand for the stable coin increases, as the economic activity using the stable coin increases to infinity, at the margin, there is no increase in cost associated with each marginal uh, coin that is minted because there is no need to lock up collateral to mint that coin. And that's the, the concept is that if, if it is possible to create that money that is both competitive in volatility and carrying costs with dollars, uh, then it will be possible in theory for businesses that want to build on trustless, on a trustless tech stack to compete with businesses that are building on a trusted tech stack.
But until the money itself is competitively performant with uh, the money the businesses are currently using, it's going to be impossible for a decentralized trustless economy to ever exist. So that was really the problem as we saw it. And uh, Beanstalk is an attempt at, at answering or solving that problem. Yeah, great answer. Great, great answer. Um, so, as you said, the, um, that is the kind of main and first point of criticism of the likes of your CDPs in the space, the scalability factor, and then when everything unwinds, it's, um, yeah, we've seen that play out multiple times. <laughs> but um, with, a, with a problem so large as a completely decentralized stablecoin, a lot of people would... I wouldn't say shy away is the right word of trying to create that, but they could probably seek less of a great attempt at building something so on paper that is difficult. Why did you guys decide to go down that route? Because from from the outside looking in, you guys have got the capability of going off to build whatever you wanted in the space and you know stuff that um, isn't as difficult as a problem is... Was there any reason that you guys were just so hell-bent on um, trying to tackle the kind of decentralized algorithmic stablecoin problem? I think someone will crack it. It could be you guys. It could be someone. And the industry and the world, effectively, will be much greater for it. But you guys could have shied away from trying to tackle that problem and went off to build, I don't know, XYZ product. Um, was there anything just, you know, that you guys were like, right, this is, this is it, this is the one? Because people could look at it and say... I mean, not to say that you guys are like this, but there's there's a lot more financially incentive ways to create a project in the space, to put that politely. But And this one seems like a, a task that a lot of people would look at and just completely shy away from or steer away from. Well, the the real answer is ignorance, which is that we thought that the thing that was missing was the decentralized money. And... At this point in time, feel like there's a whole lot missing to really facilitate trustless economic activity. So the, the, the reason we started working on the money was we thought that was the, the missing piece of the puzzle. And not to say that Beanstalk uh, works or is, is a finished thing. Uh, it's very much still an experiment and a work in progress. At this point, pretty much objectively we can say that the the least common denominator in the trustless stack is no longer the money that bean stock issues beans which are good enough uh or potentially good enough and there are certainly marginal improvements that can be made to the system and the quality of the currency but the reality is that the space is still not very close to being able to facilitate real economic activity. And so even if we put aside scaling technology and privacy technology, uh, things that are more at the base layer of the network or networks themselves, and just talk about using the network uh, and what, what, what activity, economic activity people can perform on chain, if you will, uh, feel like it's it's actually deeply lacking in capabilities 
effectively across the entire tech stack. So at this point, we don't feel like the decentralized exchanges that exist are competitively performant with traditional exchanges, centralized exchanges. Uh, similarly, the technology to facilitate loans on-chain uh, borrowing and lending protocols are also not competitively performant with centralized borrowing and lending solutions. And if you think about what is economic activity, it's basically trading and borrowing and lending. Uh, whereas we started with the money, what are you going to trade with uh, and denominate your trades in? And what asset are you going to borrow and lend in order to, to perform economic activity? At this point, feel like both the DEX and the borrow lending tech, if you will, are 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 not good enough, and so to a large extent, our our work and our focus, uh, in, in coordination with other members of the Beanstalk DAO, and this community, or, or I'd say the Beanstalk community, has shifted towards development of a totally new DEX and a totally new borrow lending protocol that should over time uh, through taking advantage of the composable nature of Ethereum actually be able to offer competitively performant uh, options to businesses that want to trade on chain or make markets on chain or issue loans on chain or all of the above. Uh, the, the point is at this point, it seems like those are, those are probably the least common denominators to facilitating real economic activity. And therefore uh, it's become a, a significant part of the focus. Yeah. It's a great point on the whole DAX versus sex argument. Um, and with the lending and borrowing, we're starting to see a lot of um, under-collateralized players come into the space. You've got the Maples, Dam Finance, and things like that. Um, do you think that under-collateralization can truly work in a trustless manner, given everything that we've seen from some of the large actors in the space? And do you think there's a room for that on-chain? Um, do you have any opinions on that? So the short answer is yes. It can definitely work on-chain. The, the big problem that needs to be solved is if you issue an under-collateralized loan, in theory, whoever you lent the money to can just run away with the loan. And because in a, in, in a decentralized setting, you can basically just spin up a new wallet, uh, there's no cost to taking the money and running. And to a large extent, that risk of running off with the money can really be mitigated through the loans being held by the contracts where liquidation takes place. So let, let's give an example. Let's say uh, you put up $1,000 and I lend you $9,000. Uh, so you've only put up $1,000. Now you have $10,000 to work with. The concept is that instead of you taking those $10,000 and now running with it, uh, you can 
perform whatever activities you want with the $10,000, but the, the $10,000 of value remains custodied by uh, the CDP, if you will, or the contract that facilitates the loan, such that uh, the only real rule that must be enforced by the lending protocol is that if the value of the assets decreases from 10,000 down to, let's call it 9,000 and change, where the change is the liquidation buffer, uh, mm -hmm. the idea is that you can do whatever you want with those $10,000 as long as the value of the, the loan doesn't decrease below $9,000, such that I, as a lender, uh, have the guarantee that you're not going to be able to take the money and run with it because the contract won't allow you to perform actions that result in the value of the loan or the liquidation value of the loan falling below the value of the capital that I lent to you. But you as a borrower should be able to do effectively whatever you want with the loan in the meantime. And so the, the, the chain does offer a, a, a platform or an arena for arbitrary economic activity. And the way to get around the lending problem is not to impose limitations on what people can do with the funds that they're borrowing, but instead ensure that the contracts retain ownership of the assets ultimately, such that liquidations can be performed to mitigate the risk to, to the lenders, if that makes sense. Yeah, fantastic answer. Great way of looking at it. Um, so getting on to Beanstalk, can we do, for some people who might not have heard of you guys, um, can we do like a high level of the product and then we can slowly start getting into some features and I'll just let you unpick them um, and then kind of, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with that. So like high, high level of the, of the product problem it's solving and um, some of the main key features that people should be aware of. Sure. So Beanstalk, uh, and we don't say this to scare anyone off, but just say it to, you know, in a, in a, in an honest fashion is very complicated. And so it, if people are interested in understanding the protocol, uh, the community and Dow have gone through great lengths to ensure that there's a significant amount of documentation and uh, a white paper and all of it has been meticulously maintained and, at this point, the solidity code is all being redocumented uh, for even better clarity and understanding. And so it's worth saying that it's a, there's a lot there and we will try to do justice in, in short form to, to Beanstalk, but it's, it is worth saying it's probably uh, something that is best understood through some independent study. So with, with that as a caveat or a preface, at a high level, Beanstalk attempts to mimic or model the economics of the U.S. dollar, where if you think about what it is that is giving value and stability to the U.S. dollar, it is the credit worthiness of the U.S. government, whereby uh, users of the U.S. dollar are effectively making an assumption that the U.S. government will, will remain credit worthy. And as long as the U.S. government is able to issue debt uh, or borrow money from the market, uh, if that assumption is true, then in theory, the, the value of the dollar should remain 
relatively stable or intact. And Beanstalk offers a similar proposition whereby if you assume, and this is a big assumption, but if you assume that Beanstalk as a protocol is credit worthy, meaning that Beanstalk will be able to borrow assets from the open market over time, what that means is that the the protocol should be able to create uh, low volatility in beans in the stable coin that it issues. So the fundamental assumption of a user of beans or of Beanstalk is that the protocol is credit worthy. And through borrowing on the open market, uh, the protocol is effectively able to raise enough money to create low volatility in, in the currency that it issues. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'd um, highly recommend people go and uh, check out the documentation. You're completely right in what you're saying. On paper, it's a it's a lot greater to and a lot greater of a, a medium to actually understand it. But um, so what is like the current is there, is there any kind of immediate items on the roadmap that people should be aware of? Or is there any kind of challenges that you guys are going to tackle in the immediate future? Or is it pretty much um, maintenance at this point and then kind of see how the market reacts and then trying to make decisions post up? So there's, there's two different angles of development at the moment. One is development of Beanstalk itself. And the second is the development of the DEX, the Borrow Lend Protocol, all the associated uh, pieces of the tech stack that are missing to ultimately facilitate real economic activity in a trustless fashion. Now, Beanstalk, at this point, the, the core economics of the protocol are relatively established, uh, but there's a ton of work and improvements that can be made at the margin to the way that the model works such that the ability for the protocol to maintain low volatility in in beans in the bean price uh can be further improved and we would argue it could still be dramatically improved and in addition to the peg maintenance side of things there's a major open question around governance so in April of 2022, Beanstalk's on-chain governance system was exploited for around $200 million, uh, which at the time was all of the value in the protocol. Uh, it was effectively a 51% attack on the Dow. And at this point, Beanstalk is operating with uh, a hybrid, but effectively an off-chain governance system. And the other, in addition to improving the peg maintenance of the system, the other big to do on the Beanstalk angle is the re-implementation of permissionless on-chain governance. And that is one of the main focuses of development over the next three to six months, let's call it, or potentially even longer. But that is a, a main focus in the short term. Uh, in addition to development on Beanstalk, there is a ton of really fascinating development happening in the Beanstalk ecosystem as a whole. Uh, including the development of a, a totally new DEX architecture, which should be the basis of a, a DEX that can actually offer competitive trading experiences to centralized exchanges. Uh, and 
uh, a, a borrow lend protocol, uh, which really should facilitate a variety of different uh, financial activity, not just loans, but bets uh, on sports and prices and all sorts of different things such that you can really start to have an entire economy running on a trustless tech stack. So at this point, there's the Beanstalk development, which is happening, and there's the ecosystem development, which consists of the DEX, the borrow lend desk, and all of the associated tech there. And then there's all sorts of, all, all of this stuff that we've been talking about is on-chain development, but there's also uh, middleware and front-end development that's happening to create a really best-in-class user experience for operating a, a business or uh, what have you uh, in a trustless fashion. So at this point, there's a ton of different work happening and would, would uh, if you'll humor us, would use this as an opportunity to just shout out if you're curious and hungry and want to build some cool shit, uh, there's tons of work to be done and lots of really awesome people that are, are participating in the, this development. And uh, we're always looking for more people to join the fund. So uh, lots to be done, lots going on. And uh, that's a good place to be from our perspective. Yeah, 100%. It sounds like the, the ecosystem is, is truly got its kind of clear um, roadmap there. And it seems like um, the right kind of steps forward for you guys. Um, how with regards to people helping and chipping in how does how does that whole process work from your end is is it a traditional we have a job let's take someone on as a community led like can you tell me the dynamics of how that how that works yeah this is maybe one of the most interesting parts of what's going on here which is this is very much a a web3 development model so beanstalk itself uh, the DAO has funded uh, the creation of and uh, maintenance of Beanstalk Farms, which is a development organization that's primarily working on Beanstalk and the associated ecosystem. But at this point, there are actually a couple of different companies and entrepreneurs that have spun up their own companies effectively that are building on the Beanstalk ecosystem. So wow. there's private companies that have employees that are building some of this tech. There's entrepreneurs that are building new startups that are probably hopefully going to get funded in the next couple of months that are building certain parts of this tech. And then there's uh, the Dow funded sort of core contributors of Beanstalk Farms that are uh, holding down the fort and, and trying to connect the dots and serve as some glue for the ecosystem. So lots of moving parts lots of different ways to get involved with different uh, risks and rewards for contributors. And it really does feel like the beginning of uh, a new way of doing things, which is sort of right in line with, with what's going on here, if that makes sense. Yeah. So where do you think that kind of, because it feels like there's more than a monetary incentive surrounding the community to go and build stuff like a lot of people it's like show me the incentive i'll show you the outcome but it feels like there's this strange but really intriguing kind of drive from people that are building over there Where, where's that where's that came from obviously there's huge community over there um do you have any kind of insight on that well first it would be hard 
to discount the monetary upside uh, if Beanstalk is to be successful as the issuer of the new money that the 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 economy ultimately uses uh there is likely to be an immense amount of financial upside for early contributors and early holders of of beans and therefore it's it is hard to discount the the monetary angle of it but at the same time uh it does really feel like the people that are contributing here are while they certainly want to make money if they're successful are looking to participate and contribute to something that is much bigger than themselves. And this whole system is ultimately so large and complex and expansive such that it's really impossible for any one person or group of people to, to touch all of it. And there's something really special about people sort of raising their hands and opting in to work on one piece of the puzzle. And uh, the attitude does seem to pervade the community of if the piece of the puzzle that I'm working on or you're working on or any of us are working on individually is done properly and we are all doing it at the individual level uh, as best we can, that over time the collective effort is likely going to turn into something much, much larger than what any of us are capable of doing alone. And it's both very exciting and rewarding, but there's also a lot of friction there in the sense of it's not so easy to ensure that everyone is coordinated and is working on tech that doesn't overlap and can be composed together and is solving the key problems. So it's, it's a little bit easier said than done to ensure that all of the pieces of the puzzle are ultimately getting built and getting built the right way such that they can, can be pieced together. But if you're asking about why people are participating in it, it does feel like there's something real going on here and people are, are compelled to, to work on something real is, is how we understand it. Yeah. I was just, <laughs> just going to ask you a question, but you actually answered it there. Well, you kind of touched upon it. I was with the kind of breadth of development that is happening and that you said it correctly, the, the web three style crypto native style of how people band together and things. I was just going to ask how, how how are you guys doing on an organizational standpoint? Because I know what it's like. You got a Discord or a Telegram. It's It can be quite chaotic. Some people think are pulling in one direction. Some people are pulling in another. It's, um, do you just kind of face those challenges as they come? Uh, we like to joke that we are optimizing in real time. And that's the only <laughs> way to handle it. Because, uh, yeah, too many moving pieces and too hard to see more than about a day or two in advance. So at the same time, it is really important to have a North star uh, that everyone is working towards. And to that end, to try to help contribute to the North star, we published uh, in early January of this year, like a long form blog piece sort of talking about where we see this going. And it wasn't even necessarily about Beanstalk, more about the, 
the DeFi stack as a whole and where where the holes are, and uh, hopefully that will serve as a, a a north star for people that are trying to figure out what it is that's being built and why it's being built and how it all fits together. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, the real thing is endless communication with the people that are are building this. So lots of phone calls and just constantly trying to circle up and ensure that we're all generally on the same page. And uh, yeah, it's a very much a, an experiment in terms of the best way to do development in a really open and decentralized way. But so far, so good. feel like there's a lot of good stuff happening and uh, am pretty amazed by the the pace of development. So it's a, uh, yeah, these are good problems to have. Yeah. There'll be case studies on this stuff in years to come, how people coordinate online and build ridiculously incredible financial infrastructure. I'm, I'm kind of sure of it. <laughs> um, I'd be, I'd probably get hung for not asking. Um, how, how is the sentiment around um, the price action of being at, at the minute is like I know we had a conversation prior and I completely understand where you're coming from and I have my own kind of opinions on it as well but it's how's how's the kind of sentiment in the camp community uh and how, how are you guys kind of thinking about it so it depends who you ask so for context right now the bean price is chilling at about 94 cents uh so six percent off of its peg of a dollar and last crossed a dollar around two months ago and has been slowly decreasing in price from a dollar down to where it currently sits at 94 cents. And on the one hand, it's not good because the goal of Beanstalk is to regularly cross the bean price above and below its peg, which is currently a dollar. But on the other hand, if you consider the nature of bank runs and uh, in particular look at the collapse of uh, under collateralized or non-collateralized systems uh, similar to Beanstalk in the past uh, they all tend to crash and burn pretty quickly and Beanstalk has certainly gone through it yeah violently is probably a good word Beanstalk has certainly had its share of uh, crashes the price has gone down to as low as 24 cents in the past and been in the 70s and 80s and 90 cents range before. Uh, but in particular, this downturn, if you will, is unique or new in the slowness of the burn. And if you consider that the goal of Beanstalk is to be anti-reflexive, such that during bank runs, uh, instead of the economically efficient behavior being to hop on the bus and participate in the bank run. Uh, instead, the, the system tries to create incentives such that the economically efficient behavior, if you continue to believe in the protocol, uh, and in particular, the protocol's ability to borrow money in the future, is to hang out. And so this sort of slow burn down to 94 cents, and it may continue lower, uh, Assuming that at some point in the future, the system returns to its peg, uh, it would be hard to look at this period of time as anything other than very positive in the sense that this is more data that when the system is lacking in demand, there's no demand, new demand for beans, 
there's no demand to lend to the protocol, uh, that the system doesn't crash and burn violently, but instead just slowly bleeds out and weathers the storm slowly and steadily. And I guess the, the question is, is this a bleed out such that the system will die? Or is this just a little bit of a, a bloodletting given that uh, there seemed to have been too much uh, beans minted previously and now this is what happens when you have too much supply and not enough demand, you have a decrease in price. So uh, it, it's very hard to talk about whether or not this is good or bad ultimately because if the protocol fails at some point, then obviously it will have been bad. But if the assumption is that the protocol uh, is not dead and is not dying, but this is just another chapter in its ability to create low volatility in the price of the currency, uh, from that perspective, it's probably pretty good and pretty healthy for the market to see how this works uh, at scale. And yeah, it's uh, unclear what the future holds, but the fact that the system is generally hanging in there uh, despite the horrible macroeconomic conditions and crypto conditions and having all the protocols money stolen in April, uh, things are, yeah, things could definitely be worse. They could also be better, but uh, they could definitely be worse. Yeah, completely, completely agree. I mean, it feels like every week we've kind of got this weird black swan event that happens. And, <laughs> you know, as you say, it could be um, drastically worse. It could be, could be, where you guys expect it to be like it's it's just like i think it's just a sign of the times across the crypto economy and also a wider global economy as well um the way the way i was kind of looking at it prior was this isn't something not new and i think it's because people if we go down the stablecoin route we associate stablecoin to be pegged at um a dollar but this this stuff was happening in additional pegged asset spaces prior to um the merge or um, if you think about stake ETH and ETH, there was always a premium to effectively redeem um, your ETH through the stake ETH ETH pool. And I suppose it's it's also can be considered um, a cost of or a premium for maintaining censorship resistance and optionality in, in the decentralized stablecoin space as well. If you if you take it to its its end conclusion with centralized stablecoins. Um, you could end up in a tornado, tornado cash situation where you're effectively betting on you yourself not getting frozen by Tether or Circle. And 6% seems nothing in the grand scheme of things when it could be 100%. So that's just kind of my two cents on the, on the whole matter. <laughs> What's the inflation rate in the US? It's off by about 6-10% right now So from its target. So peg maintenance is very much an inexact science. And uh, one of the the big differences that Beanstalk makes from other attempts at, at non-collateralized stablecoins is there is no hard peg and there is no promise that a bean is worth what it, what it's pegged to. And that is, this is the, in practice, uh, the market learning that that's the way this works. And hopefully at some point Beanstalk is able to repeg the bean price and everything's hunky dory. Awesome. Well, we're getting up to the, top of the hour um just want to thank you for that you speak extremely well <laughs> um you're um very good spokesman for the project and um really look forward to seeing like these new new product rollouts and um when we've got something that um the 
viewers and the listeners can can physically see and things like that let's let's run it back let's get some kind of demos going on let's talk through the product but um yeah once again thanks thanks very much for coming on really enjoyed chatting and if you need anything from us uh, you know where to find us and just just give us a shout we're more than happy to help thank you very much sir thank you for having us yeah anytime anytime and if you're listening uh this should be we're recording this on the 19th of january should take a couple of days to get out so just kind of bear that in mind while you're listening and yeah thanks again and see you next time